Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night, faithful listeners. Yes. Wherever you may find yourself, welcome. We are back and we have not forgotten. Back to episode 26 of Myth Take, a fresh take on ancient myth. 26. Can you imagine that? We have really been plowing through these. Wait till 30. Yeah. Not to better party. That's right. It has to be some sort of anniversary of some kind. Yeah. Tonight, we are going to talk about the Bacchae. About the Bacchae, yes. From Euripides. And we're not going to be using a passage. We are going to be talking about a performance. Yeah, because we just went and uh, saw the Bacchae in Stratford. At the Stratford Festival Theatre. Stratford Festival Theatre. In Stratford, Ontario. Closing performance. Closing performance, yes, Yes. And that is actually a really poignant thing, you know, because, yeah, it's the it's the one where it's like highly concentrated anyways. This is sort of a sad goodbye thing. We will provide a link, but this performance is directed by Gillian Keeley. Yes. It is a translation by Anne Carson, who is a classicist, among other things. Mm-hmm. Um, a poet, essayist, translator, playwright, and classicist. And yep. I think that's one of the reasons that it's such a stellar Adaptation. Sure. Yes. Um, and it features a number of actors and actresses. All I would hope. Yeah. Yep. Um, and we met a couple of them. And we did. We did. We met two in particular. Yes. We, we were with a group and we were fortunate to have a, uh, a group chat afterwards with uh, Brad Potter, mm-hmm. who plays the guard. A guard, yeah. Very few speaking lines. That's right. <laughs> Barely says anything. That's right. Um, and. Diana Cho. Who was in the chorus? Was a member of the chorus, yes. Right. Which is a something that was seven women incredible. In the, yeah, seven women in the chorus, and the chorus alone is worth the price of admission. Sure, you know, and unlike the other time when we had to go see Wonder Woman again in order to talk yeah. about it, we figured we should strike we while the fire is hot. <laughs> we didn't tell our listeners about that. Oh, I'm sure we did. Yeah, we went and saw it again. Yeah. So yes. But, so we literally just got back from Stratford a couple of hours ago. Yeah. And um, we've tried not to talk about it too much, but it Which was is a, hard. It was a bus trip with a whole bunch of other classes. And there are a bunch so of chatty Cathy's. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and heck, I'm yeah. chatty too. Um, so anyway, we are freshly back from from a fantastic afternoon uh, performance of the Bacchae in, in Stratford. Do you want yeah. to start or do you want me to start? Well, you go right ahead. I okay. want to see what, you know, what your impression right. of it is. Like, so, overall, I think maybe we should start with o- our overall impression. Overall of it. impression is it was absolutely fantastic it was a fantastic performance it was a fantastic uh, uh, production and I was really surprised to hear from the actor that they had not played to a full house all season Mm -hmm. that it like the entire run he said they had only been playing to about 40 to maybe 60 percent capacity how dare the uh, the audience people not go see see classically themed tragedies (laughs) with obscure references the um the play was at the Tom Patterson theater there's uh, four stages now with the Stratford Festival, and this was at the Tom Patterson Theater. So it's a um, definitely not your traditional stage. It seating on all on all four sides. Yes, theater in the round. There's really there's really no bad seats. I've that's my no. first time being in that particular theater to see a play. I had 
years ago it used to double as uh, as a racket club, and I oh, remember man. playing badminton in there. Not badminton. School. <laughs> but anyway, I just have to mention that. Anyway, um, yeah. So um, no bad seats, and you no thought bad it was fantastic. Seats. It was it, it it was absolutely fantastic. The chorus was spectacular. One of uh, one of our professor colleagues had seen it this summer and had had said that it, in his experience, was the absolute best course he'd ever seen. And having seen that, I think that's going to be something to, difficult to top. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's a tragedy. There were funny moments. There were some fantastic lines, um, and there were some fantastic lines, non-funny lines as well, that were quite uh, memor- memorable. And I wanted to scribble them down. Mm-hmm. But it we did didn't. have one of those but theater critics lit, lit pens. You ever see those? They're, no. It's a pen. It's a flashlight that's built into a pen. Okay. So you can have a little notebook going and you can make a few notes while you're I, watching I'm watching the to, theatrical performance. Oh, well, I'm going right? to have to get one of those. You have to invest in one of those. Yeah. And everything, you know, because you can't really take out your phone and start blasting away yeah. a, a quick little note. So there was a lot of fake blood in this production? Not as much as I thought going into it, to be honest, because I had made some sort of remark before saying, Prepare yourself for some theater blood, and there was, there, quite, was there was quite a bit though, not oh. necessarily on them, oh. but uh, well, when, okay. My experience with theater blood is a little bit more than yours, okay. I would imagine. Well, yeah. okay. okay. It depends who you're talking. Uh, it depends to. who you're talking to. A lot of sex, yeah. sexual content is explicit. Better. Explicit content. There's actually a warning in the front of the program. I took a little picture of it and we'll uh, share it. <laughs> it says right here. Oh, I'm trying to find it. It is an ancient Actually, it's not right at the front. Though, so. Sex, death, and the It divine. says, this performance has no interval. It's a mm-hmm. Greek play. There's no there's yeah. no intermission. Audience alert, this production includes explicit scenes of eroticism. Yeah, and Maybe. which one of which you completely missed until... I almost missed. Yeah, you looked and went, because sure I was what's just... going on here? And then, <laughs> oh, oh my. <laughs> okay, it was maybe not quite. Well, that you is the, sound like such an innocent. I know. That is a modern adaptation, though, <laughs> yeah. that was kind of maybe lost. Plus, the staging, like you said, you have moments where... You do see actors the actors back, back yeah. To, yeah. so you're not fully aware yeah. of everything until you get the and, reveal. And, and besides, at the moment, I oh was being God. distracted by the chorus and the wonderful job that they were doing. Oh, yeah. So there are seven actresses listed here in the chorus. Mm-hmm. You want to list them off? And uh, No, I'm not going to oh, name okay. them off. They worked together fantastic choreography and very much like you would expect a Greek chorus to be. So a lot of uh, singing, dancing, uh, the music that was scored for this, Oh yeah, for, was... for this performance was fantastic. It had a really strong beat, like almost like a like club music kind yeah, of beat. It was modern to it. Yeah, um, not overly so. And they were dressed as like their their costume was very Grecian. Yeah, type well, uh, seemed appropriate. Yeah, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And they had um, Thersis, Thersai. Yeah. yeah, I guess I, yeah. Um, long staff, like re- yeah. really big ones, not not short little, but nice. Yeah, good long, size long stick. Staff, which also doubled as uh, as props and yeah. um, I guess helping with this setting. Um, there were various places around the stage, stage yeah. um, that had holders for them, so they would move them around the stage to kind of define a space. Sure. Um, yeah. Within which things 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 would happen. So yeah. that was. Um, I like the third side. Great. Yeah. Third side. Yeah. Plural. Yeah. So in terms of the uh, in terms of the erotic, I'm just going to oh. jump right to the. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the stage itself, and I and I thought this was really interesting because the Bakai is pre- their presentation here is about women's bodies 
and sexuality and control. They wanted to give it a feminist reading. Now, whether or not you can do a feminist reading of the Bacchae, where women themselves have very little um, to say, you can debate that. But that was the attempt here was to to present a, a feminist version. And they, they were telling us this um, after the production as well. Um, so the, the stage itself had a red yoni, which is the stylized female genitalia, mm-hmm. um, in the center with a sort of a little raised... Like which would be an altar of Dionysus. Yeah. And it looked, if you, if you, if only if somebody, quote unquote, hipped you to that, would you see it? It looked yeah. more like a pink flame, it, you know? It could, <laughs> yeah. but knowing um, oh, knowing what the themes about, and what they're going well, on about, yeah, sure. It's, and it's I initially sense. didn't twig to it until yeah. they started their dance and, and, and the perfect. whole fertility aspect sure. and talking the about the their mother way. Gaia yeah. and mm-hmm. um, the uh, Dionysus is a is, is a fertility god. So I thought it was very interesting that the play um, works out, is about men working out ideas of control on women's bodies figuratively mm-hmm. that the, the the women are the locus of this of this discussion yes and that men are responsible for female pleasure, for female pleasure. but it's yeah. also physically happening on Vulva and a clitoral yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. basically <laughs> pretty much um, that's where the majority the of pendius's lines are being delivered yeah yeah so yeah. uh so I thought that was yeah. very interesting and uh, sure why not clever I, I well think it was done. clever yeah. yeah absolutely it fit yeah. the, it fit the themes and, and fine yeah, and it was very sort of sexually charged in a, in a way, and the way that the original the original back eye is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's the thematic tone of it. So I thought it was excellent. You know, you said initial impressions. I asked you what your initial impressions were. Oh, yeah, and then were. I went on to talk about specific uh, things. Yeah, and my initial impression was uh, that it was, of course, was excellent, that it was powerful, and that I, I never expected to have as much comedy, in a sense, in a tragic setting. I laughed at a couple of spots. And where in the original form, you don't really, it's so dour, you know? And you're like, everybody's all like, ah, you know, they're, they're all really hard edge. This one has a lot of celebratory moments in it that are generated by the chorus, which those are the ones that kind of give you that moment of levity that, that sort of moves through the story. And, you know, you had a lot of fun. I, I think I made some comments that I never expected to have as much fun in a tragedy before. Right? And you did in this one. Right? Yeah. And yet it was still serious. Well, the female chorus, and it is a female chorus in Black Eyed by Euripides. Yeah, but, but there would be men in masks. Uh, yes, yeah. but, but they are female gotcha. characters. Yep. They have such ecstasy mm-hmm. and enthusiasm, which are, which, and I use those words to live bodies taking up space. And, sure. And their voices being yeah. heard was what. Yeah. Jillian had mentioned in the after chat, and I thought that was Diana. Pre- Diana and all about that. Well, that's neither here nor there. This play was about that, and that's kind of really what yeah. we're, we're discussing. And this play is so versatile, and so this play is more of a translation. Mm-hmm. Um, the one we saw in January is more of an interpretation, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. which brought it to about about women's bodies. Sure, and but they, but neither one of them really lost sight about, about no, control no, or no, or, yeah, no. So, yeah. Um, my point just is how much the individual or the or the person's choices kind of create the translation, right? Sort of something that they think that their audience is going to not only digest but understand because art is communicative, right? And they want to be able to connect to their audience. Otherwise, it's it's effort festival was 
Well, the Arts Festival. It's been a long day. Festival, yeah, right? It sounds so, you Just know. Stratford. But they're both trying to, to accomplish the same task mm-hmm. and to communicate to their audience in a slightly different way. But I really liked it a lot. I thought, you know, that there are so many ways that they could go badly, right? And I just appreciated not having to to just sit and watch it and be impacted by what I saw and to pay attention to the staging and say and not have my brain fire every five seconds and go, oh, that's not like this, or oh my God, they could have done this, or oh, damn, I don't recognize that. You know, I had none of those moments. Yeah. And, and, and it was very easy just to, you know, they have this thing where it's like, they call it empty listening, right? Where you're just, you're listening like a bold, you're taking it in with yeah. no expectation, right? And so that's what I was doing, and it was very easy to do that with this performance, but it really got to you as well. I found, in some aspects, um, it a little depressing. Yeah. Because it made me think of how far we have not come as a society when it comes to women. So the play is very much about the control of women, and this depiction of Pentheus, he's wearing a suit. So the chorus are dressed in more traditional clothes, grecian looking garb his lines at one point he he was speaking about how these women have left their homes and they need to go back home and they need and the way he was saying it and the way he was dressed i just thought this this is an internet troll yeah this 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 is the guy on the internet who when a woman dares to voice an opinion jumps on her yeah and tells her to shut up and go back home. And most women on the internet or on certain social media sites have had these kinds of experiences. And it really resonates politically as well, because as we're seeing in the news with Hillary Clinton's book tour and the amount of flack that she is getting for just doing what every other politician has done, which is write a book and go on tour. But it's how dare she be talking about this. Um, So... Very poignant. So while while we have come very far in almost 2,500 years, I was just kind of, we haven't come quite as far as we need to come. There's still, we still have a ways to go. So what Pentheus was saying, how he was saying it, there was, for me and and my experiences online, there was a familiarity with it. It it was, there was a realness to it that I have never had just reading the book. Yeah, the Pentheus of the pure pure Euripides is of a very different type of character, recognizable in this in this sort of backlit version, but uh, someone who is uh, young and naive and untested and, you know, this sort of filled with with uh, puerile curiosity and... But and, afraid of his yeah, own afraid sexuality. Afraid of his own sexuality, but yet at the same time projecting an image of hyper-masculinity and control in a situation where he has none. And all these types of things are still there in this version, right, and mm-hmm. in this oh, translation, so. as you, yeah. as you say, but other things are, are other things are pushed to the fore. So, yeah, I do agree. I think it is very um, very poignant, very modern, and uh, still kind of very true to to its original source. And there's not much yeah. lost there. You know, the Pentheus character in that one. You know, there are people say, "Oh, you're going to feel sorry, and you're going to hate this character, and you're going to feel sorry for that character." I had said before that I really felt a deep sense of sympathy for the Pentheus character in the one that we had seen in the Performing Arts Center in January that I had not expected because I didn't get that connection uh, in the literary sense, like reading it in the play many times and talking about this character. I always thought he was more despicable and that his his, um, sort of uh, 
foolishness was um, uh, unexcusable. But uh, this play, in this version here at Stratford, the Pentheus character for me, um, although um, delivered with you know an amazing degree of, of uh, acumen on the part of the character, I mean, part of the actor, uh, was sort of kind of buried under a, a hailstorm of really, really good performances that I had to kind of navigate. Like, I, I really well, this... thought the chorus was like the blinding light, right? And it, <laughs> there but, were a few times, but where it sh <laughs> overshines everything else. Like I liked yeah. Mac Fife, the the Dionysian guy that played Dionysus. I thought he was stellar, right? Mm -hmm. He was fantastic. He he, he had he just had it a presence, yeah, a right? presence. So you you there's that's a gift, yeah, right? Like it's a perfect blend of character and actor, and and that's such a Dionysian kind of term, right? But it worked well. He had a a feline, feline kind of sexuality. He had beauty. He had power. He delivered his lines. They they had they had a section where they had moments where they modulated his voice so it almost sounded like a roar or a, or a growl when he was mm -hmm. delivering a rather poignant part. And he had the ability to kind of move his body in a fluid manner that you would expect. And it was all there. Nothing was cheapened. You know, yeah. I don't really know. And that's um, interesting because it, this this question, or not question, but the subject of the of the actor playing Dionysus came yeah. up in, in our post-show chat. Sure. And uh, Brad, the actor for the guards, who, who was an understudy, I believe, for Dionysus. That's what he said. Yeah, um, for that role. He had mentioned something about. He had mentioned something that I was going to say. Well, he he said that he was weird, and I went, "What a great word, right?" Oh, because I was thinking yes, about etymology yes. and and all the rest of it. Yeah, I don't know if recording this after a long day is working very well. Yeah. Okay, but he had said that he would be curious to oh. see it cast rather than as this feminized man. Right as a masculinized woman or right. an androgynous woman who leans towards being depicted yes. as a man. And I think that would be very interesting sure. to see that played out because that would, I think, would really change the tone of Dionysus and how people would respond to that character, I think, see, as as a woman with mannish looks yeah, rather than a, than a man that's maybe effeminate looking. Sure, why not? You know, we change everything else, yeah. right? And, yeah. And, those variations, those variations kind of, you know, yeah. put people a little off edge and then get them to see something from a slightly different perspective. I, I think it, I think it would be a good idea. But yes, Mac did, Mac Fife did an absolutely fantastic job. And yeah, uh, yeah but I like the comparison to a cat. <laughs> yeah. Because just the way he moved around stage uh, was just That's wonderful very Dionysian. Yeah. 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 And he's meant to be here a shapeshifter, yes. um, a, a god that is a shapeshifter. Um, in the interpretation that we saw back in January, he was presented as a celebrity, as a star yeah. uh, with, with a celebrity following. Here he is a shapeshifter and yeah. just the way his body moved around the stage and yeah. that fluidity to it. Yeah, the, the differences in the choices that the actors in both of those performances made about the portrayal of the role of Dionysus were uniquely different. But they both had their... They both had like that gravitas. That's an mm -hmm. actor's term yeah. too, right? And one was in the performing arts center. The Dionysian character was the the sexuality was not really a big issue. No, it was more about um, making Dionysus as a celebrity, but more like a con artist or a flim flam man or a charlatan, but also 
sort of very charming but cunning, yeah. right? And uh, a showman, yeah. right? Whereas uh, Max here at Stratford was truer to the Dionysian and maybe in the mythology that we, that we would recognize and uh, certainly that we would recognize in Euripides' play um, where there, he is sort of pushing the boundary of gender a little bit in order to kind of sort of express an easier connection with his feminine side and with the feminine followers and feminine sexuality, right? It's, it's a god that is not uh, very easily defined in, these man in this manner, in this regard. And, well, ancient Greek society is extremely rigid in this area, right? So when you have a figure that moves between these polarities, between these sort of binaries, that doesn't, is not really confined in one way or another, it's all very troubling to the ancient Greek audience, right? And so when we look at it, we're like, ooh, interesting, right? But that's part of the power of the portrayal there for this character. For me, anyways, I thought it was good. Yeah. And, and it and actually do play it up with Pentheus, right? Yeah, and it's hard for us not to compare it having seen two, in, two interpretations. Yeah. But I don't want our listeners either to get the idea that one was better or worse no. than the other because they were so different. And, and that's really, as we've said, that's the beauty of this play, that you can pull out these different themes. Mm -hmm. And it's still the same play yeah. um, at the core, but there's just there's room for all of these different interpretations yeah. of it and there's, there's, and they work yeah they do. and 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 they just bring out different different aspects that yeah. you can't you can't do all of it in one performance yeah there's no one perfect portrayal yeah. so there's many different yeah. different things to do yeah and it, and it is a bit of a chinese box in a sense it just keeps kind of giving you yeah. the ability to do different things on so own. what did you think of agave uh loved it I, I, and this is mother. Yeah, I, I, I thought, um, again, it was one of those things where you're watching the major figures of the play and with a little bit of foresight, you already know where, what's going to happen. So, you know, we're already slightly at a disadvantage, blah, blah, blah. But she was very muted at the beginning, right? But then once the sort of revelry sort of started and she came back in with the big reveal, you know, the moment of uh, agonognorosis or whatever, right? And that character was I think that she did a great, she performed a great uh, role in the sense she, she immediately convinced me of the, of the, of the duality of her mind, that she did, she did not know what she had done. And that's and then Lucy, it was Peacock is, Lucy Peacock. Lucy Peacock. Is, is that actress. Yeah, it mm -hmm. was, it was a fantastic, yeah. um, very convincing. Yeah. And then very, when she, very convincing. when it was revealed, well, it was revealed, but then you could see the moment almost where it impacted her when she recognized it. And I, and I, I, her, her emotion, her sorrow was, was palpable. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a sort of low wail that was there. And I was like, wow, that's pretty good. You know, yeah. Really it, felt that. it, it, it wasn't a loud wail. It was almost, yeah, it was I think like, like a, a keening. Yeah. Like, something like it, that, yeah. It, 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 it was just this, like this noise yeah. and there was a lot of grief in it, yeah. but it wasn't loud and like it, it was just this pain was just too deep for yeah for almost it to almost come tears. out yeah. yeah yeah and she had an interesting costume change yeah. as well at the end now yeah. now we should point out too that the thing with the Bacchae is that we're kind of missing the end of it yeah um, we know from references in um, other writings that there was this big scene with that agave head at the end of the play yeah, okay. um, which we just don't have so yeah. So the play as we have it ends a little abruptly and yeah. she doesn't really get a lot of stage time. Yeah. Um, but they had her do a costume change after 
the realization after she's laid down beside the body of her son. Yeah. And now she's she's been exiled. Um, she washed her face. Cadmus tells her to wash and yeah. to change. And uh, so he brings her her change clothes. Yeah. Yeah. And so she changes out of this Grecian garb that she it's has been wearing. Well, yeah. yeah, now it's all red and covered in blood. It was yeah. nice and white and pretty out of the blue. Yeah. Um, and so, she, so was she. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she changes into this tight black dress. Sure. I was not a fan of the dress in any way. <laughs> the fashion sense. And it kind of, I found it kind of jarring. I had to think about it. Like I had to wait until I could step out of the story and think about why, it, why they made that choice. And I understand now why they made the choice. But at the time, I found it a little bit jarring. Um, but Pentheus has been dressed in a suit. Cadmus and um, Tiresias. Tiresias have been dressed in modern clothes. Yeah. The guard is dressed as Dog the Bounty Hunter. Seems <laughs> That's basically, yeah. well, they mentioned that. Based on yeah, his character, yeah. yeah and, Tactical uh, vest. And so, so now Agave has moved from this free-flowing, uninhibited clothing, really, into this very tight, very restrictive dress that could not at all have been comfortable for the actress to wear. Like, not in any way, shape, or form could that have been comfortable to squeeze herself into. It was very, very tight. And um, that is a very strong metaphor, of course, for what happens as she turns her back on this god that has caused all of all of this pain. Um, yeah. And for swears sure. further involvement with Dionysus. Yeah, and, and, and I, I had made some offhand comment about, you know, clothes make the man. Clothes make the woman, right? We clothing is is uh, a very visible badge of identity and station and gender and so on. Uh, and uh, Dionysus, you know, <laughs> that's really not his bag, right? He doesn't like that sort of thing. If he can look at you and say that's a man or that's a woman, already you're operating uh, uh, in an in an area that he doesn't really think is worth it. It's all about you're you're a human animal. Right, we're a part of the natural world, right? And uh, but I like I like that a lot. I know you thought you were, it's kind of jarring, and it was jarring. Jarring is good. I like jarring. I didn't like it in the moment, but uh, afterwards oh, I like it. In the moment I, like it I liked because, it because I understand what it is sure. that's happening. In the moment I liked it. Let me tell you why. Okay. Um, after she had realized what she has done, and there she was weeping and and, and lamenting or mourning or keening was the word you had used. Uh, and the slave comes out and brings her the bowl with the cloth to wipe the blood from her hands and face. And he had a, some clothing in his in his arms. And he remember when he put his hand in, the light sort of went dark and sort of just sort of had her illuminated. Mm -hmm. Right, the body was there. After they had assembled it in a rough sort of jigsaw pattern, yeah. right, to be buried whole was important. Right, and then there was that dripping water sound as the yes. rag was squeezed into the into the water right and that was working for me and, and they played that out they too. did they, they played did it not out. rush that no, moment so didn't. so the servant stood there yeah and he had set the bowl down and in one arm he's got the the, the clean clothing and yes your silent theater and yes. it's just this dripping this water dripping down into the bowl yeah yeah. It, it reminded me of when Eurydice kicks over the washing container of Odysseus. Remember when she, after he threatens her or whatever, and she realizes that it's him in that moment, and he kind of he grabs a hold of her neck, and then there's that knocks over the, the bowl, and it goes bong and spills the yeah. water on the floor, and then everything's quiet in the epic, like in your mind, yeah. right? 
So it was a very focalizing thing for me. But what I really appreciated was that here comes this woman and there's this light that's illuminated above. We talked about it. And it's a mature woman who, in the front of all these people, strips down to basically a bra and underwear and, and gets dressed in a slip and in a tight dress. And after trying to wash her face and recompose herself, you know, and then does and delivers her next set of lines and stilettos. lines, yeah, and including stiletto heels, right? And then delivers her next. And I thought, wow, what a brave act! Like even as an actress, like to do, but and even as the character, to you know, to have to witness that the actions of your own hands in full revelation. That's why Cadmus was so upset. And even at the beginning, he's saying, "I hope you never recover from this madness yeah. because you will be destroyed," right? But she. She got her composure in a, in, a, in a rough sort of way and did her face up and went on, you know what I and mean? And the, like, lighting, the, lighting so on about that. the lighting on her yeah. when she's doing that change, yeah. there's just a red spotlight on her yeah. and it's through a grid. Yeah. So it's almost like she like there's she's behind bars, behind she's in bars. a cage, yeah, she's kind cage. of within this defined, yeah. defined thing. Yeah. yeah, it's... um Brought the, back into a the, mortal coil. The performance yeah. really requires, I think, a lot of vulner uh, vulnerability from actors. I, I am not an actor in any way, mm -hmm. but looking at what they are asked to do, some of the um, erotic things that they're... I mean, it's not graphic, but the erotic things that they are depicted sure. doing. Pentheus changing on stage, um, oh, herself yeah. changing on stage. Like, that's yeah. a lot of... I've got a lot of respect for act sure. <laughs> for actors. Sure. I really do. Um, because yeah. they need to go there and they need to own that and just go for it and be vulnerable in front totally. of a theater full of people. Well, yeah. And, and when they do that, then your audience usually really appreciates it, right? Yeah. Because they sense it. It's uncomfortable for them. And, and, and if that's the case, then it works. Yeah. Right? Now, the changing uh, scene with Pentheus and Dionysus. Yeah. What did what, you think of that? Uh, well, <laughs> I liked it. I knew kind of what was coming, as we all did. Yeah. And we wanted to see how it was going to be accomplished. I think it was accomplished well. Although, in, in my mind, for some reason, I, I had thought that he was going to come out with the fawn skin and the thyrsus and, the, and, the, and more of a traditional thing and wrap him up and you'd be kind of wearing a more of a Grecian thing. And then what does he do? He puts him in sort of a red dress and an evening gown. But that evening gown, that dress, they're definite Grecian overtones to the way it's designed. It's got sure. an empire waist yeah. automatically, right? Yeah. A lot of gathers around that waist. Yeah. And so it's got that Grecian feel to it. Sure. It's bright red. Right. The women have, the, the chorus anyway, are wearing white yeah. with, yeah. with um, a red tinge around the bottom of it. Sure. Um, Might have missed that. But. And veils. Yeah. And carry yeah. yeah. And they put a wig on them. So it worked okay for me. And I looked and I went, mm, okay. And that was kind of a vulnerable moment and that when he happens came because he was naked almost. Yeah. Well, he was wearing he underwear, said, but he, he came Shorts on, on yeah. yeah. Um, and that dressing scene happens on top of that piece that serves as the altar. Yes, it does, yeah. Uh, you know, almost like uh, a male figure being uh, being encased in a female form. Mm -hmm. What does that sound like well, mythologically Well, I was actually thinking more <laughs> of this is the moment that he unknowingly, but yeah. he gives himself over mm -hmm. to Dionysus. And we have a scene there, an erotic scene, I guess, with, yeah. between him and Dionysus. Yeah. Where it is see. Dionysus yes. masturbating infusing him, him yeah. a, um, filling him. Yeah. But it's also like, it's a metaphorical thing that's happening there too, because yeah. now he's going to go off and he's going to um, be led by the nose, basically, yeah, by Dionysus through the middle of town, which he has sworn up and down nobody oh, can yeah, see. Oh, yeah, he willingly But now doesn't. he's like, 
he wants to like he's he's fully oh, on board. All for it. He's yeah. all for this. Yeah, he's all he's all, all he's, yeah. he's done. Yeah, he's got him hook, line, and sinker there. And you know, whereas the Euripidean play in its in its I don't know, I was about to say pure form. I don't even really know what that means, but in the in the form that we have read, anyways, Pentheus is is you know incrementally led to his destruction through his own puerile kind of curiosity. Mm-hmm. There's no real. There is a slight hint of sexuality between the two, and even in this play, they use some of the same verse forms because they say things like, when Pentheus is talking to 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 Mac to Dionysus, he says, "Your soft white skin." You know, is it from mm-hmm. the inner chambers, the back bedrooms, yeah. right? And then, and he goes, "Look at your long hair, right? If you're obviously not a wrestler and all this." So he picks out the those things that that he finds attractive. And those attractive things happen to be on another man in his, yeah. his eyes, right? Yeah. So already he's starting to move into uncomfortable and unfamiliar territory in a character like this, right? And that really kind of riles him up. But it's that exposure, right? When 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 Dionysus draws Pentheus out of his out of his game, then it just sets the hook. It's over, right? It's it's all over. Yeah. Well, no, the no the Bacchae, the chorus, mm-hmm. their opening number mm-hmm. is highly charged we see women disappearing under literally disappearing under the skirts of other, other women, women. yeah um we see agave be lifted up yes and, and as like, an orgasm yeah like with a, the sound yeah absolutely yeah. having like an orgasmic an, reaction yeah. to the enthusiasm right yeah. as it dionyses his body and the in the bacchic rebel sort of is associated with pleasure right yeah um and then we have also seen uh, my husband art writing on this podcast. Well, I already said he masturbates him. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> it's called a reach around. No, but oh, okay. But before that, oh. we see oh, what masturbation him yes with with like an internet with a tablet. Yes, and there's this idea that he's looking at pornography. Yes, and that was the one that I almost missed because I was busy watching what the course was doing, and he yes. was back to where we were sitting, right. and I was I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is he doing what I think he's doing? He was. Yes, he yes. was. Yes. Um, or acting it. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, because he was excited. Yeah. Like in in, in but, but all this, this fury and rage and yeah. control, right? It was still yeah. sexual kind of tension, you know, that's in there. It's it's with Pentheus. It's so not. He's he's oh, yeah yeah like he's got there's some type of sexuality that he's okay with. Yeah. But it's not yeah. a developed and normal human. No. Well developed. Well, I, I don't. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how. how yeah. How, how to really how to, express uh, yeah, that. I know what you mean. It's definitely not what is being represented he's, by a Dionysus. He is a stereotypical course. internet troll yeah, who's exactly. at home by himself, uptight, who doesn't have a girlfriend, control who's all about masculinity, a megalomaniacal, yeah. egotistical, right? Yeah, kid yeah. who's been given control of Thebes, and and wants to control everything and everyone. Right, and life is way more complicated than that. And if the major theme, I don't know, major theme, even that sounds silly, and something as complicated as this. But if one of the main themes is the conflict between God and man, right, like it's not going to work, right? Yeah. So he he's spinning his wheels, and he that's why I said to uh, Brad, the guy that played the guard, I said that you know, for all the figures that we've seen in this play, because it's a very sort of feminine encounter, right, this whole milieu, right. And I said, you play, well, one of, if not the most, virile character who has a very short scene, but even as an object of, you know, as a servant who's under the compulsion of Pentheus to go and bring, right, seize the, seize Dionysus and bring him before me, right? 
And he does it. But he witnesses the miracle. He understands what it is. And he knows about the Dionysian divine power. And he even warns Pentheus in one line. Yeah. It's like, maybe you should think about it too. And then he walks off the stage. And I'm like, okay, here's a guy that's supposed to represent all that power and authority. All and that hyper All that male stuff. Yeah. And even he gets it. So who's the twisted one, right? Yeah. So I'm like, now that's an interesting take on things. And you, not a lot of people talk about the guard, right? Yeah. Not well, the guard often. only has like three lines. Yeah, he's got like, like three, three lines. Really yeah. Well, he saw yeah. the, and remember yeah. he had the, he did the hush, remember? Yeah. So I thought that was kind of neat. That you, it's something that you wouldn't encounter. There was an interesting moment in the production, the the performance that we saw. Yeah. Um, which was. We really have to give you the specs on this one. We just yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna oh, put okay. the links up for them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The back eye at the Performing Arts Center in January. <laughs> I believe. No, I'm talking about this one that we saw oh. today. Oh, okay. And now I've lost my train of thought. Oh, sorry. It's I'm going to have to edit this. Oh, okay. I'm going to actually have to do editing tonight. Oh, okay. Um, yes, there was a moment in this performance that we saw today mm -hmm. where the messenger comes in and he gives his report. And it's quite a lengthy report. And it's very easy to lose attention span. And I think he did a really good job with storytelling in telling us and keeping us engaged, making an interesting account of what has happened. Because I always, when I, when I read these plays and this messenger comes on and has this big long speech that goes on for pages and pages, and I always just kind of picture him in my mind just kind of standing there on a stage just delivering it to the, to the audience kind of thing. Um, but it, when he walked off the stage and the lights dimmed a bit to prepare for the next scene, you could tell who weren't the classicists in the class because people are in the in the audience because people started talking, thinking thinking that was the end of of of, of the performance, mm -hmm. which I kind of internally chuckled at uh, because I'm like, well, first I was like, wait a minute, um, we're still missing stuff. Like I know this is a new translation, but a couple of different scenes. there's got to be some more coming. Yeah. But. Um, it has me thinking about, you know, maybe that is a place that the play could end with just a huge question mark that we know that this has happened. And then it's just left to us that whole agave and it's just not there. Yeah, it would uh, kind of work. You know, you want to see the fruition of the punishment, right? Yeah. And you want to see the God be able to um, complete uh, enact his revenge or retribution on his targets. And we would have most of that at that point. But then, you know, there's that... We'd have we'd have the revenge, yeah. but I don't think we would have the humanity. No. Um, because... You've got to see that. You've got to see that. Yeah. And, and it, one of those Euripidean tropes is always about, you know, even in the face of divine wrath, mortals will sort of pluck up and survive. You know? I know... Heracles and Theseus and the rest of it. But you don't even get that I know, with you this. Won't, but that's what's supposed to be the content of the missing end. Yes. Right? Yes. So that's supposed to be what, what the agave kind of realizes, you know. And I'm like, wow, man, after all that, right, still there's some form of, of, of well, agave not redemption, Cadmus, but Agave and Cadmus do not part on friendly terms in no. this production. No. There's angry words, each on her own. Well, she is on her own. Her her, yeah. her punishment is even more complete. Yeah, they're to be sent into exile. By herself. Yeah. 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 They're to be separated. So that was that was that. I thought it was good. I'd give it a five out of five and I would encourage anybody who's interested It's too late to see it. To imagine it after listening to this podcast. 
Oh, we have just not done it justice. It, you know, in their we, minds. We have not done it justice. No. And uh, well, we'll have to throw a well. We can throw a back eye. So it was a fantastic performance. If you were fortunate enough to see it, bravo! Mm -hmm. Let us know what you what you think. Um, if you didn't, shame on you. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but I'm really a part of me is just really stunned that they just struggled to you know keep the keep the theater half 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 full because it really was such a superb performance. So that's been episode 26 of Myth Take, fresh take on ancient myth. Talking about the back eye, yes. two versions, but mostly one that we saw yes. at Stratford. Yes. So, and, and you know, this was um, one that we wanted to to do um, right away, so we got it done as quickly. Even as though possible. we're a little bit tired and a little bit yeah, it's okay. off we don't kilter, make we, we don't make excuses. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, no, I do. We just plow through. <laughs> okay, we plow right through, yeah. and we hope that you enjoyed it and enjoyed hearing us talk about a play you probably didn't see. And there'll be more. Yeah. Right, because right. We, we do movie stuff. Yeah, too. we'd like to do more of these, more of these reviews because it, it brings out for us in talking about the play brings out different nuances. Sure. Then when we were just looking at a text. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, this was how the Greeks would have, the ancient Greeks would have experienced the play. Was seen it, not uh, mm -hmm. not uh, by reading it. And the chorus for them would have been a really big part of the play. Oh, it's totally. When amazing. you're reading the play, the chorus you just want to skip over it because it's just this. <laughs> yeah. It could, they don't move the plot forward, but in performance, it was absolutely, absolutely fantastic. They do. And in, in, in the tradition of Greek tragedy, the chorus is the oldest component and actors are added later. So Greek audiences are used to going and seeing and singing and hearing singing and dancing in choral odes. So Greek tragedy is kind of like a musical. Yeah. Right? Well, a very adult musical. There were right. times where I wanted like Pentheus and Cadmus or whoever, like just get off the stage and <laughs> give us the chorus. <laughs> <back. laughs> yeah, so it was okay, and I'm not a musical guy yeah. at all. I yeah. really don't like musicals, but the ancient Greek tragedies are probably more closer to musicals than you think. Yeah, and the particular and the type of music with this, of course, it was it varied between Pushed chanting up, yeah. and more 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 yeah. modern singing. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, cool. All right, so let's wrap it up there. All right, thanks for listening. We'll uh, see you next week. Maybe. Next uh, month sometime. I just we'll like see. saying, see you next week. <laughs> so long till we meet again. Elvita Zane. I'm Darren. I'm Allison. This is uh, Myth Take. Fresh Take on Ancient Myth. Episode 26. There you go. See you soon. Good night. This episode of Myth Take is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, Erica Dilworth, Joelle Barfoot, Avon McMaster and Mark Sunderham, Stargate Pioneer, and Greg Bue. Myth Take is a labor of love, and your support helps defray the costs of web hosting and equipment. To learn how you can support the show, please visit patreon.com slash mythtake. This podcast is created, recorded, and produced by Allison Innes and Darren Sundstrom. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mythtake or on Twitter with the hashtag MythTake. For more information about the show, including the show notes, music credits, or to get in touch, visit our website at mythtake.blog. 
We are part of the Humanities Podcast Network, so follow the hashtag Humanities Podcasts on Twitter to discover new podcasts. See you next episode.